Hello, 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 geeks. Welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film, television, and what have you. And we've got a banger here on this episode for sure. And with me to discuss the remakes and reimaginings, my co-host, Tondi. Good day, Schlanger. Good day. I thought about doing like an accent. I think for the betterment of everyone involved, I'm not going to try to do that. <laughs> I've never been able to nail either the British or the Australian accent because they bleed into each other. Yeah, you know what's fun about doing an accent? For me specifically, I'll lose it. I'll lose it almost immediately, and it will turn into whatever. It'll turn into, like, something racist by the end of whatever impression I'm doing. <laughs> it could be the whitest accent. I can do, like, a Russian <laughs> accent very poorly where you're almost offended. I don't <laughs> think I have Russian background, but, like, I'm white enough where it's like, no, he can. He's allowed to do Russian accent. No, it, it's almost offensive. So You don't want to get smacked by Putin. Nobody wants to get smacked by Putin, so best not to. Clobbered by his giant horse. Yeah. <laughs> Avoid that if possible. They eat you with my pick, yeah. <laughs> so today we are talking about a cult classic for sure. A oh, movie definitely. that has spawned multiple sequels as well as a remake that's not really a remake so much as a re-engagement, a re-envisioning of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like old Mad Max is, what do they call the Star Wars stuff that was made before the reboot, the oh, reimagining, the Star Wars Legends, Legends or yeah. whatever, all the novels and stuff. Yeah, old Mad Max is Mad Max Legends, and <laughs> this is like, you know, the new kids. This is Even though it's the same character, it's not And at what all. we are talking about is Mad Max, the first Mad Max movie, and the universe in general, I guess. But the thing that's interesting about that, though, is starting with Fury Road, if they are going with... Tom Hardy is Max from now on. If they're restarting this universe, it is interesting where they're starting as far as the distance away from Doomsday. Like every Mad Max movie gets a little bit further away from the fall of society. Yeah. Well, Fury Road is like hundreds sure. of years after. Like Max is a Thailander right. or something <laughs> by the time of Fury Road. And the, the original director, he said that Max is really more there to be our way into a slice of life of that world at that time you know that max mm -hmm. does assist with stuff happening but for the most part it's we're just following him around on his adventures to see where the world is at this point in the decay and it was interesting to revisit mad max after it's been years i haven't seen it since fury road came out i think i'd only ever seen it on tv after watching this i realized i'd only ever seen it as a tv edit and it's a, a whole different experience. This is some good schlock. I was actually surprised. It's really good It holds schlock. up well, and you try I, to explain what happens, and there's three important things that happen, and that's it, mm -hmm. in like 90 minutes. But it's engaging the whole time. There's never a point where I felt bored watching this movie. It's interesting. It's not too long, although I did feel like it dragged a little bit somewhere in the middle. It's not too long. It has some really intriguing aesthetic choices the score is late 50s early 60s mm -hmm. style the orchestration which is interesting there's some interesting camera stuff going on it's very surprising that this is uh, george miller's first major movie and i feel like the acting is not top notch but it does feel natural enough that it's even the bad actors are not that cringy it doesn't come off poorly i guess i like some like goose i thought goose was kind of great cool. Max is actually a little bit too young. That was my that complaint. Was, Mel Gibson is a little bit young for the character. I was mindful and made sure that I didn't go too old with Max with my casting, but I did. Yeah, he is so much younger than everybody else, really. 
in the film, he looks like a baby. And maybe it's just because we know Mel Gibson to be yeah. this like old racist dude. And this is like young <laughs> racist dude, but this is even before big hair, the incredible wings, <laughs> right. Mel Gibson. This is a whole different. Era I was looking of his at life. actors in their like early twenties, and I just I couldn't. I just the concept of them driving a car. I'm like, you're not old enough to drive a car. You can't. <laughs> you got the cutest little baby right? face. But that is something that <laughs> I really like about Mad Max is that there is a portrayal of a revenge film, very western. It's completely. If you take all the beats of this movie and remove the cars and put in horses, it's and it's not the apocalypse. It's just the old West. This is a fucking Western movie, but it doesn't try to overdo the chase scenes. The chase scenes are pretty straight up like they're on straightaways. They're not doing all these crazy twists and turns and shit. And Max isn't this big buff fucker. He's this normal sized person that he fights a little, but mostly it's just him running people over with his car. That's <laughs> the majority of his skill set. Is just killing people with this beautiful yeah, baby face. It's, so what I liked about that is I didn't need to cast some like action hero type necessarily for the role of Max. This was pre that type anyway. They were on the just the cusp of having leads take over in that fashion. But this is what it's like seventy nine. Yeah, I believe it like late seventies. Yeah, yeah. So this is right before they start putting Adonis Godmen as the uh, the action leads. What a weird time. Yeah, it was the 80s pretty much all the way through until right at the end of the 80s when you had the like Bruce Willis's and the Joe Everyman that came in and picked that back up again. But there was this mm -hmm. like 10 year block that was just big old machismo men that ruled the world. Yep. And then after that, it was, it was, they were all Brad Pitt types, wiry, muscly, yep. wiry dudes yep. that I still resent. <laughs> of course. Oh man, there was a weird time in my high school years that scrawny hairless men was the in vogue look and that's literally the opposite of me if you were to damn you moby yeah, right there's all the <laughs> lanky fucking scrawny dudes that everybody was losing their shit over I had no armpit hair nothing here i am looking like a fucking lumberjack a short little wide lumberjack no yes and both you and the scrawny lanky dude are both looking at mel gibson going Fuck yeah that pretty guy. much <laughs> now how the tides have turned that bearded men is now in vogue and yay we rule yes. the day until we until we anymore. go to bed at a very reasonable hour okay so <laughs> mad max there's a lot of room to work here i'm interested to see if either of us decided to stick to the timeline of the post-apocalypse or the dystopian world of the original Mad Max or took it a little bit further into the post-apocalypse also is this an apocalypse movie is this done differently i'm really interested you, you having the wild one always excites me because you will go out there this might be in space i don't know so i'm no the take this time is going to be something where you're like what, what are you doing nice <laughs> you know last time you're like wow that is really cool the time before that that is fun this one's going to be like yeah why why, why? why do you do that with this <laughs> great movie? Mine, I feel, is a pretty straight-ahead version here that I think you're going to understand why I made the choices that I did. This is the straight-up remake, reimagining, what have you. I decided that the real difference here is that I didn't want to try to capture that, like, Aussie dystopian vibe. I wanted to look mm -hmm. at what Mad Max would be if it was an American director directing American actors with an American aesthetic. But not necessarily the Fast and the Furious kind of aesthetic. Definitely balls to the wall a little bit. That's just, that's definitely America. But more that action mm -hmm. kind of comedy, the diehards of it, the fun action. 
vibe a little bit mm-hmm. with just a touch of demented to get let it go down smoother. And I decided that Brian Taylor would be my director for that kind of journey. If you're unfamiliar, he is one of the directors of Crank 1 and 2. He directed Gamer, <laughs> Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. More oh, recently, wow. he did the movie Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage, which is an absolute fucking blast if you haven't seen it. I have not even It's heard like of an infection movie. movie where all the parents are infected and get like homicidal and want to murder their own children. That's what the virus does. Oh, so just like Yeah, basically. So it's just all these parents being like, come here, honey, stab, stab. And there was a series on sci-fi that he that helps create and also directed called Happy that was a tour de force of demented, weird fantasy. The main character, it, Chris, Chris Maloney, Maloney, he has an imaginary friend yeah. that's like a flying unicorn that's voiced by Patton Oswalt. It's a weird show, but definitely steeped in gross, weird, demented comedy. And so that's energy that I wanted to bring to this is just a little over the top, a little bonkers, but still that intensity you want from an action film. And Mm -hmm. so I, for Max, that was a tough choice for me. I wanted to do a not action hero kind of person, but somebody that could get unhinged if they really got to that point, they would break bad. When it got to that. And from his portrayal in Mayhem, this horror movie, I thought Steven Yoon would be an interesting choice for Max. Oh, nice. I almost cast him in a different role. Yeah, Steven Yoon deserves a breakout role in like a young person's breakout role like that. I know he's going for serious stuff, but he's definitely proven himself to be a tremendous actor. But I've also been playing this dude that gets basically infected and becomes like a raw nerve of aggression in mayhem it, he it's a very fun ride that he takes you on and he's gets to play it super big and you can tell he's having a fun time with it and so i want to be able to have that spectrum from the actor playing max is somebody that can go subtle and quiet because mel gibson is quiet in the first man max he doesn't say a lot at all so i yeah. want that to just go up to 11 when he's on his revenge that he's what just freaking out and going bonkers so the steven Yeun i think would be fun in that role for Jesse, his partner, his wife, his, the mother of his child, I wanted an actress that could play like she's got her own shit together. She's not like the damsel in distress type, but is also very funny and can play at these big action sequences and be the comic relief of the moment in some of the most like darkest moments of this movie. Uh, and I just saw her recently in a really bad movie called Shotgun Wedding. The movie's fucking awful. It's the Jennifer Lopez vehicle that came out on Prime. And it's stupid. I hate it. Yeah, Sandra started watching that the other day, and I don't... Have yeah, it's interest. really bad, but Darcy <laughs> Carden is in it, and I love her. She was in The Good Place as Janet. She plays Natalie in Barry, and she was also in Shotgun Wedding, but she's a comedic actress. She's been around, and she's been in tons of stuff. Very funny. There's something about her that's so... so just, like, hits me the right way. Very funny actress, and has the I'm one step ahead of you kind of energy with her humor as well. She knows what you're going to say, and she's got five quips ready to go already. So I thought they would be a fun matchup. Jim Goose. Keep the energy Goose. I wanted somebody that would be like the kind of wide open, wants to be a ladies man, just fun, weird, sidekicky character, and a little older as well. Christopher Maloney, he's already worked with the director. I think he would have a lot of fun just being like the zany sidekick, or not sidekick, but co-worker. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And Maloney's awesome. Maloney is a fucking like, he trip. Just, he, just, <laughs> he is such a trip. Initially, yeah. I had cast him as Fifi, the base, their boss, basically. 
because I thought Maloney would have a lot of fun mm-hmm. just walking around shirtless, smoking a cigar and yelling at people. And he would. But I think his energies would be better spent as Jim Goose. For Fifi, I decided that role, I wanted somebody built like the big, it looked like a Russian weightlifter that lifted the triangular weights only, the, their boss Fifi. <laughs> so I needed a buff guy that was going to be able to have fun in this role as this really happy, big energy person. So Terry Crews immediately jumped out as a good choice there. He, of course, just really friendly, nice boss that people actually like, but also don't fuck with him. I could, Terry Crews works perfectly for that. Yeah, no, Terry Crews is great as the big guy. Yeah, that's his whole career is pretty much playing that role for the most part. Except for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He doesn't play the big guy, quote unquote, necessarily in that role. He plays the sweet, cool-headed guy who loves his family. I feel like Terry Crews would be a great person to spend time with, not even get a drink with, but like just your friend from years ago that you go to like the park with your kids together kind of energy. He, yeah, this is a sweetheart who keeps trying to get you to go to the gym with him, and you're like, Oh, yeah, so, yep. man. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> oh, your CrossFit friend that's Terry Crews. Oh, no, <laughs> I for these are the bad guys now that we're going with, and I wanted to cast a kind of quiet intensity for Bubba Zanetti, and uh, so I went with Tommy Flanagan. If you're unfamiliar, he's the Irish actor with a giant gash scar on his face that was in. Sons of Anarchy. He was in Sin City. He's been in Braveheart and Gladiator. Yeah. Believe I know what you're talking about. Very well known as a always the grizzled tough guy. And uh, Toe Cutter, the unhinged boss of the biker gang. We got to get Nicolas Cage in there at some point. <laughs> He's had a, a couple choice. movies with Brian Taylor. He had Ghost Rider and also Mom and Dad. So they know how to work together. Nicolas Cage could definitely have room to do whatever Nicolas Cage wants with this role. Kind of surprised that Nick Cage didn't come to mind for me for what I was, what I'm doing. That's yeah, because he is a great choice for that. I think just giving him moments to do whatever would really make this movie. And then finally, Johnny the Boy, the drugged out fucking weirdo guy that gets in trouble and gets arrested and then gets released, and is the little brother character to the biker gang that always fucks up and they're always really annoyed with him. Pete Davidson for Johnny the Boy. Oh, yeah, that's course. perfect. With this casting and Brian Taylor and this demented action comedy kind of vibe, the world that I'm setting up in the States is that basically resources are dwindled dramatically. And the coasts are really where most everybody lives because you can get to stuff easier that way through the ocean and railway systems and stuff. The middle of America is basically ghosted. A lot of the crops have died at this point. Resources are dwindling dramatically because of global warming or whatever. You Whatever. It's it, not necessary to explain, but there's just barren wastes of just flat, dusty, dust bowl. And so really the only people that exist in this area have cars, have souped up rods and cars that have extra gas tanks attached to them randomly and basically Mad Max vehicles that they have to build out to make these long hauls in between small towns that are still existing in the Midwest. And because of that also, there's not enough police force to cover these great expanses. And so there's the highway patrol basically that has these cars that they can get from town to town on like less gas, but still like gun it, you know, they have a little bit better technology, but they can only get around so much. So they're constantly on the tail of all these highway gangs. They are constantly trying to make sure all the small towns are okay, but the small towns, they have their sheriffs and their people in charge, but they can only do so much when a gang of like 30 or 40 bikers comes into town. 
So mm -hmm. they've been after this gang for a while. They've been trying to prevent them from stealing the resources from the towns in their sector. And so that's how they come to know Max from him just being the best cop in their region trying to protect these towns. Um, so Max is there basically out of his ability to drive really well, but also he gets better resources by being friendly with all these towns that have resources and they thank him by giving him water and gas and clothes and stuff for his car as a bribe basically, hey, pay more attention to us than the other towns. And uh, so when the bikers start cutting into his cut by, uh, by stealing resources from these towns and you know him not getting there in time, then that's what's really pissing him off. You know, that's what's really motivating him is like, hey, you're cutting into my stuff here. So it's less about the world fully falling apart. The cities are still industrialized and still working and functioning, um, though poorly, a little bit dystopian. But the middle America looks like the post-apocalypse just because everybody's escaped pretty much. Everybody has gone to the coasts. There's nothing really left in middle America anymore for anybody. The crops have died. Like the resources have dwindled. Yeah. Yeah. Taking it to America is probably a better move anyway like maybe not explicitly so but i feel like there's enough regional culture in the mad max movies that doing something that you're a little bit more familiar with might be a better move and it being said in australia was because that's where george miller lived <laughs> like, so yeah. mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be australia necessarily there's nothing yeah. australia centric about this story really Except for all the, the Foster's billboards in the background. Right. <laughs> Australian for post-apocalypse. <laughs> so yeah, that's my take. A middle America-centered Mad Max movie with yuck-yucks and action and explosions and craziness. I'd watch it. And it's, <laughs> it's about time to bring back the, uh, the aesthetic. Like, of course, we had Fury Road as George Miller's modern vision of that. But a world of post-apocalyptic leather daddies that populated that Mad Max era, <laughs> it's time to bring Hell that yeah. back. I'd love to see and a I, lot of fun. There's only so much further you can go in the post-apocalyptic world of Mad Max after Fury Road, because then it's just dust. There's nothing. There's barely anything left in Fury Road. So yeah. resetting it and bringing it back to where there's ghost towns. They're driving through these ghost towns, and there's small populations of people, and there's still some level of government working, giving resources to these highway patrolman basically and the best way i can explain it is it's when shit's done there's no going back the society is collapsing as they speak everybody knows it everybody's aware of it everybody knows they got maybe 10 years tops before even the police are gone that it's that level but nobody's willing to admit it it's like in 2008 when i worked at blockbuster everybody mm -hmm. knew that blockbuster was going under every couple of months another store would go out of business but we all just pretended that somehow there'd be like a turn that we'd be fine at some point. And we just went about our business until, you know, the store went out. <laughs> a red box is BS. Pfft, nobody's going to use a red. We just got to hang in there just a little <laughs> bit longer until this fad blows over. Yeah. <laughs> so that's this world of Mad Max is people out of not having other options, barely hanging on, hoping that something changes. Yeah. Not knowing that the world is going to descend to the place where the only three assets left are bullets, gasoline, and titty milk. <laughs> that sounds like a good weekend right there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
remakes, remixes, fashion, podcasts. Where can you go to show your love of podcasts and remakes and remixes? tpublic.com. Your one-stop shop for all the geeks under the influence network, t-shirt, and merchandise designs. Go to guipodcast.com slash store and find over 50 designs of your favorite logos and inside jokes from shows from the Geeks Under the Influence Network. Shows like Smack My Pitch Up, Geeks Under the Influence, Beautiful Disasters, Deeply Upsetting, From the Mouths of Madness, and Geek Fathers. Show your love of podcasts. Show your love of fashion. Tea Public and Geeks Under the Influence. I did something interesting with my take, I guess. So my take is basically based on me diving down a rabbit hole. Mad Max influenced a bunch of, like, 1980s anime. Like, just Mel Gibson in general influenced a bunch of 1980s anime. But basically it influenced it so much that, like, anime style Mad Max has already been done many times over. So going down that rabbit hole, I was like, we're doing a big budget movie for an American audience. What's big budget American animation? There's Disney and there's DreamWorks. So basically, my Mad Max is an animated movie, DreamWorks. <laughs> okay. Cars via DreamWorks. And it's it's basically a bunch of chases that climax in the big race for it all or whatever. Kids yeah. movie. No, I take that back. All a family sure, movie. Sure, sure, So everybody gets to be entertained. So there's some winks to murdering a wife and child and stuff, but not like overtly to... Uh... It's it, Yeah, there'll be violence, but it's like violence that you never see. Like people can die in a cartoon movie. You just can't see the body hit sure. the floor. So my Mad Max DreamWorks movie takes place in Arizona. Max Rokitansky is the best pursuit cop on this stretch of a highway in, in Arizona. And he's got a big head about it. And it's about him finding his way to appreciate the love of friends and family and working as a team. You know, kid movie stuff, but for everybody. So, Max Rokitansky, Chris Pratt. (laughs) Why Chris Pratt? Because Chris Pratt is the universal voice actor for everything right now. So, my Max Rokitansky is Chris Pratt. He will not be doing a gruff anything. He'll just be doing Chris Pratt like he does anyway, except when he's playing. When he did that movie for Amazon. Oh, the Tomorrow um, War? Goose. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. My Goose? I just needed a sidekick character. Who's the best sidekick in the history of man, and who's also like a really interesting voice? John C. Riley. I knew you were going to say John is... C. Riley. I knew it. When you said sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. He's the sidekick, John C. Riley. In, in this take, Goose still dies, but you don't see him burned to the hell. Where Max is like, what the? Where Max does the face as he pulls the sheet up. (laughs) Oh, so early days for his acting. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Jesse Rokitansky, the wife, is still his wife in this movie, but she's also on the highway patrol. She's part of the action. Um, Their conflict comes into the fact that he wants to be a lone wolf and she wants to teach him how to work better with the team. Kristen Bell is nice. Jesse Ross- okay. Rokitansky. Okay, I see it. Because she could be sweet and convincing. And, a little aggro yeah. when need be. Yeah. Yeah. Sprog Rokitansky is no longer a child. Sprog Rokitansky is a talking dog. <laughs> and the actual 
direct partner of Max Rakotansky doing the ride-alongs and pointing down the suspects sure. and saying, Hey, man! Because it's Kevin Hart. No. is Sprog mm -mm. Rakotansky. Oh, no. <laughs> like, ta like, I... I that's racist. I don't know how it's racist, but it's racist. I think there's no way to well, portray Kevin Hart playing that character without it coming off kind of racist. As Sprog Rogatansky, yeah. he can't be like Brian the dog for Max Rogatansky without being racist. Well, you you know how they would play Kevin Hart in that role, though. That's the thing. There's only one. Yeah, but that's actually Kevin Hart. That's how Kevin Hart I'm plays Kevin Hart. That's on him. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That's what makes it great. The toe trimmer. So the bad the guys. Toe trimmer. Toe trimmer. Yeah. The toe trimmer. No, that's trimmer. brilliant, but goddammit. <laughs> Is Kiefer Sutherland. Nice. Because he's got the ultimate, like, hard-ass bad guy voice. The cold, wonderful for a kid's movie. Perfect villain in that if situation. If you haven't seen the movie Freeway, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, he plays, like, the big bad wolf type character, of like a uh -huh. serial killing, like, dude. And he does this kind of, like... Uh, voice i can picture that being the perfect touch point for him to play this role like of that kind of growly yeah or his take on a solid snake yes yes he he replaced david hater on that game that people were like oh it's not david hater zanetti his his second in command is no longer a person that's a dog too <laughs> but that dog can talk and that talking dog is patrick warburton is zanetti in this movie. So Kronk's new dystopia is... Uh, <laughs> <Yes. okay. laughs> yeah. He's the henchman. He's henchman number one. Henchman number two, Kundalini, the guy who loses mm -hmm. his hand. And yeah, that's James Franco. So James Franco is, uh, is guy number three, the police captain or whatever of the station house, the boss, is Brian Cox. Always a good choice. And they're all just... Yeah. They're all just trying to rein Max in. Goose dies, wife lives, toe trimmer ends by not getting hit by a truck, but by driving off of a cliff Disney style. So he dies, you don't see the death, but characters falling off a cliff is like animated kids movie tradition. You've got to have that like... Uh, that's how he dies. Noise as he... Yeah. <laughs> and like a just a sickening yep. splat. Yeah. That is my version of, of Mad Max. That's... Choices were made. But it does beg the question, like, why aren't there more post-apocalyptic children's cartoons? That really, I feel like Cars kind of could be perceived that way. And then there's Wally, -E, And then that's it. Like, that's pretty you, much. You get something like, I don't know, I don't know about a post-apocalypse, but Treasure Planet or Aladdin, where the hero's just in dire straits. True. Kind of there. Titan AE, I guess, would be post-apocalyptic, at least for Earth. Yeah. yeah. It's literally after Earth is what it stands for. Yeah, I don't know. I'd go see it. You can't be too <laughs> judgmental on something where like, yeah, day one, I'd be there watching it being like, what the fuck? I'd be curious enough to look up the reviews, but yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The audacity. Why are you making this movie? Because money. Because money. <laughs> All right. With you saying Brian Cox as well for your thing, I'm just thinking a mashup for Mad Max. I would love to see Super Troopers 3 being in the post-apocalypse where they're still working the highway patrol but in a Mad Max type fashion would be oh, yeah. fucking great. Cause Brian Cox, he was the boss in super troopers. And so super troopers. yeah, that would be brilliant. So a couple fun mashups, Mad Max and weird science. Like in that scene where Kelly LeBrock brings like the, the road warrior style. Yes. To their party at the end of the movie. 
She also brings Max, and then she ends up hooking up with Max instead of the nerds. Nice. Um, and Mad Max and Waterworld, where the uh, the Mariner finally reaches dry land, but the dry land is Australia. And so he's in the jurisdiction of Max Rakatansky now. I would watch that movie 100%. <laughs> Desert versus the sea. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Tsunami. I don't know. Fury Games. Yeah. Mad Max Tsunami. Okay, so yeah. we've got two very different <laughs> takes on Mad Max, both of which I think we would probably be murdered online for even suggesting so perfect <laughs> perfect for us and now we're doing the trailers so let me get that together from the director that brought you crank one crank two and ghost rider spirit of vengeance is an american take on a cult classic meet max he's mad played by Steven Yoon, and he'll stop at nothing to take down the Tilt Cutter crew and restore order to the Midwest. This summer, Max loses his wife, Jesse, played by Darcy Carton, and him and his buddy, Jim Goose, played by Christopher Maloney, are wiping the streets red with the blood of their enemies. With the help of Fifi, their boss, played by Terry Crews, they go up against Tommy Flanagan as Bubba Zanetti. Nicholas Cage as the leader of the Toe Cutters, Toe Cutter, and hijinks ensuing, burnout fuckboy, Pete Davidson as Johnny the Boy. Are you mad? You will be with this remake. Mad Max, America Road. Oh, I didn't give my director, actually, before we continue. My director was Clarence Willie, or I'm sorry. Chris Williams, Clarence Williams is somebody I went to high school with. Chris Williams, who directed Big Hero Six. And oh man, both of those are really. I didn't realize it was the same director. Big Hero Six. I love that movie so much. Seabus was better than I expected it would be. Yeah, I've heard nothing, but I haven't watched it all the way through yet. I started it and I got distracted, but it's on the list because I've heard nothing but good things about it. I heard, I've heard it's very. It was directors good. for animated films, I forget that that's a thing. Like you, you think of directors like directing live actors, you know, mm -hmm. but. I'm sure there's plenty that goes into directing like an animated film, possibly even more than a regular film. More, And yeah. there's amazing directors like Brad Bird who did the Incredibles movies and stuff, that new directors of animation, but I never really think about it. Yeah, those guys do some amazing work and they have to entertain a larger audience than many other directors do. So they have to get their lesson in there, keep the parents occupied, keep the kids occupied. It's a, an interesting juggling job to pull that together. Speaking of entertaining an audience, we've got your take next for your trailer. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> so let me light it up. You ready to roll? From Chris Williams and DreamWorks, it's a movie about what happens when you're too good at what you do in a world that's not. Chris Pratt is Mad Max Rockatansky, the best cop on the Arizona highway. His wife, played by Kristen Bell, is Jesse Rockatansky, and she just wants him to make friends. Sprog, his dog, is Kevin Hart, cutting up and having fun on the highway as they fight Keeper Sutherland's toe trimmer and his boys, Patrick Warburton and James Franco, as they try to win the big race. But are they good enough to win the big race? And does it matter 
when the most important thing on the road is having the drive to be the best, to take it all on your own, even when it threatens to drive away you from the only race that matters, the race to be the best of friends. <laughs> Mad Max, the best of friends. Coming this summer. Friend Road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, fuck it, yeah. Let's make this kids movie. I, I'm, I, you know what? You changed my mind. I am on board with this yet again. Another banger from Tandy in the in the wackadoo category. So wackadoo, yeah. This was a blast. I am really glad that I got a chance to rewatch Mad Max. It's one of those that the Road Warrior is so good. Like the sequel is so so good that I sometimes. And that's the one that everybody is seeing. That's the one yeah, I saw and first. So I forget sometimes that Mad Max is still very good. Like it's a really good starter to this universe that gets created. Yeah, surprise. And then you throw in Thunderdome and just have a like silly blast. And, and but none of them have the, what Mad Max has, which is the Hall of Justice. <laughs> I forgot yet the they like an old abandoned cement factory that's the Hall of Justice, and that is awesome in itself. Not just genre, but he permanently changed the way people did dystopian futures with this movie, and it was basically because he was in the outback of Australia, and he had access to these abandoned buildings, and he's like, great, okay, yeah, available? cool, this is what it is, like, this is the police station, and yeah, it's like a cement plant or something, great, cool. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he was inspired, and they didn't run over the kid, which was also inspired. That brought me in more than any other scene in the movie, where the kids out in the, oh, of the right. road. Oh right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're driving. They're driving. I was like, he's, "This movie's kind of crazy, but they're not going to kill this kid." Yeah. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. This is not. <laughs> yeah. Pet Cemetery is like fuck that kid. Oh, guess we'll need to add that one to the list too. Actually, that's already been remade. Yeah, never... terrible remake, unfortunately. <laughs> but oh. at least compared to these bangers that we brought on this episode here, I think Mad Max needs to go a new direction with some of our choices here. Hit us up, um, Hollywood. We're ready and waiting. So speaking of waiting, we're waiting for you to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Just follow Geeks Under the Influence on Instagram. Twitter, you've got me and Tandy on Twitter. We've got a Smack My Pitch Up one, uh, Pitch Smacked on Twitter. We've got Facebook. Keep track of when episodes are coming out. We'll let you know when there's cool stuff happening, maybe some live event stuff. And yeah, it's a great way to get all the pitch smacking that you could ever want. Yeah, all smacked. all smacked up. <laughs> all smacked all day long. Oh, it's got a rosy glow from the from all the smacks. smackings. So on that, uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, post on socials, let people know how cool the show is and how bad our choices are. But that's half the fun. <laughs> got to thank, of course, Tandy. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Thank you, sir. And we'll find you next time. I'm Tandy, and you just got pitch smacks. Hey, pitch another smacking shrimp on a barbie. Ah, uh, the pu- mate. Good day. Good day. Forsters, yeah. it's pitch for smack. <laughs> <laughs>